Good morning. Good morning, Francesca. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad for a Saturday morning. Um, thanks ever so much for joining. And um, for those that are watching, I just wanted to mention that this is a follow-on uh, from the uh, podcast we did earlier on in the week for your initiatives, um, solutions uh, for climate revolution. And we're joined this morning by um, three or four, I think, I can't remember now because their faces have all disappeared. Um, students from the uh, Lisi International de Londres Winston Churchill um, College in, in North London. And it's their turn uh, to ask, uh, for me to ask them some questions about climate change and the pandemic and all those sorts of things that I gave them my view and Alison Green gave uh, her views uh, on earlier in the week on the podcast. So that's, that's all good. I can't refer to them by their name, so I will just refer to them by their initial. So good morning, A-R-L-A-A-T. Good morning to you. Hi. Good morning, Steve. Hi. Good morning. Hello. Hello. This is amazing. Hello. Right. So we have, um, we, we've, as we know, we've all been going through this major pandemic and we've seen massive changes in the way society and government have operated. And um, one of the first questions I'd like to say, ask is um, we've noticed obviously consumer behavior has had to change during this crisis. Uh, and our mentality to it, our consumption of goods has reduced considerably in services like flying um, and transport generally. Um, what's your view on the way things are, have been mapping out over the last two months? Uh, anyone wants to start or should I just give it a go? Yeah, you can start. Keep going, you go. Okay. Well, I think... Um, uh, v, <laughs> who, was, who was supposed to be here uh, and was interested in the subject, um, would have answered better than me. But I can see that it's all kind of the way we're dealing with the pandemic and the way we're dealing with climate change is kind of a, a risk uh, calculation. So it's about measuring risk and one has a more of a powerful uh, short-term effect and the other one will be more dangerous in the long term. And the way people are reacting to it, I see uh, kind of teaches us to, to react in the most efficient way possible, as in everything is everything that's unnecessary gets shot out, so, uh, cut out. So only necessary travel, only necessary jobs, and it might in a way influence us uh, towards what we buy and how, how useful it is with mass, mass consumption and overconsumption. But I wouldn't believe that um, it's it's, that much going to affect uh, mentality on buying stuff because the the danger of or how much of a risk people see this, this how much of a threat people see this pandemic in their eyes kind of I don't know it will, I'd say it, buying a lot or, or buying the wrong products buying unsustainable products isn't what we're going to think about so it might also be that the second we get out of this of this of this confinement of this isolation everyone's going to be jumping around and uh, uh, what well, French word in here right now? Um, well, yeah, Save enjoying. It doesn't matter. Profiter. Our, our audience <laughs> That's an easy word to, yeah. to translate from Oh, yeah. Big guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, enjoying all, all, well, everything our current systems have to enjoy, uh, uh, offer us that aren't a threat 
to the climate crisis. Yeah. Okay. That's how it would be. I, sorry, yeah. Yeah, actually, I do agree with, um, with uh, him, sorry. Um, <laughs> I do oh, agree with him, oh. yeah, with R. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that it is going to change people's uh, vision about um, the environment in a way. What I mean is like, for example, in cities, we've, we've seen wildlife coming back and um, in Venice, like the water being clean and stuff like that. And I think even if we are going, uh, unfortunately, to go back to this mass consumption um, after um, all of this, I do think that people will, will start to realize that maybe um, they've stolen lands to those animals and that they will try to make things better. I mean, I wish uh, that it will be like that. And I do think some people will change. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else want to jump in there? Um, no, no, you go. Are, you are. Um, well, I just wanted to agree with um, what you said. I also think that, um, to add on, that it's, um, I think it's this pandemic crisis that just um, probably took a bigger, um, to use a French word, uh, ampleur in people's lives um, that probably weren't affected by the, um, who didn't maybe see that they were affected by the climate crisis. And so, um, well, I hope that there's changes as Luentes, but um, I think for now it's just um, this unexpected pause that's disrupted everything but um yeah i hope people do see that um climate um, change is also um a thing that needs to be um taken into hand and shouldn't be just left until there's another moment where it's just um in a situation that's just ungerable mm -hmm. um, said, sorry go ahead and i just i just wanted to add i agree with all of them i just think it's a shame that uh, comparing these two crises, so the this global pandemic and the climate crisis, to me, they're both equally important. And I think it's just a shame how governments acted so quickly during this pandemic that's affecting a lot of people, but they haven't acted as quickly in this climate change crisis. And even though like climate change is changing a lot right now, people like governments aren't really taking care of it as much as they're taking care of the pandemic. So I just hope they would consider both um, crises equally. And like, I hope they take, can take care of this climate crisis when this is all over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I was going to say that obviously what, what, what's happened in recent weeks is that um, society's behavior has changed. Consumer or consumption of goods and services have reduced very quickly because um, because we've, we've, we've been forced to do that, but we haven't chosen to do it. So do you think society will come out of this and, and learn from the fact that they don't need to consume as much? Or do you think um, when they're free to choose that consumption will remain as it was before? Do you think, how, mu how much of a role do you think society has to play when they are given free reign to make their choices themselves rather than be told by governments what to do. God, that's difficult. Mm. But it doesn't matter if you don't have an answer for that. I'm just thinking uh, oh. that we're chatting, but... Um, so yeah, it's very interesting. We'd love to answer. I'm kind of just kind of thinking about our position on this. Yeah. I think that 
if people have the choice, um, they would uh, go back to to like how they how they used to consume, but maybe not completely normal because most of us haven't experienced a pandemic before this. So we might be aware of like this could happen like in two months time. So like people might just be consuming a bit more to like prevent um yeah to like if this happens again just to like be well prepared maybe yeah yeah and i i also think i mean um for example i right now i'm not a fan of going grocery shopping obviously but um i think that it really i mean i say with my family we are starting i mean my parents are really into doing their own products right now they do their own um stuff i guess to buy less and to go out less um and i think it makes it will make us less dependent i think in the future good Good. yeah that makes sense absolutely francesca do you want to pop in there with any comment i think this is the perfect time for us to all try and become as aware as possible as we can about the the consequences of our consumption because we are as you say it's such an interesting perspective you say there steve we're, we've been forced into this situation we haven't chosen to be to to live like this so there's gonna maybe as, as you guys say on the green committee there might be a bit of backlash people might be like oh my gosh yeah i can go and buy anything i want in the supermarket now i can go in with my friends and get really excited and it's summer so everyone's going to want to be outside so i think maybe there might be there could be an initial surge of sort of like all the things that people want to buy again. But I really hope that people will see at mass scale that actually we don't need all the things that we feel that we have needed over all these years. And my hope is that people realize that the best things in life are free and that we can do so much more with so little. So I I hope that this is, I hope it's going to have a paradigm shift, but it's um, time will tell. So I'm excited to see how it happens, but I sure. think um, we've got to sure. push for, for increasing and raising awareness. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to move on now be, uh, to the uh, R. Um, <laughs> you, were very keen, you were very keen to talk about capitalism uh, and maybe the, the, the confines uh, of the structure of capitalism. But obviously, um, this is a good point to perhaps discuss that because Capitalism relies on supply and demand, the free market, private investment, um, with with little um, government interference in in that. Yeah. And um, um, as we've seen from this pandemic, when it is impacted by something like coronavirus, uh, and we could say climate change is the same, they are, it, it's it's not so robust and resilient uh, to. I'm sure it will kick back, but we have yeah. uh, an economic crisis already. We see companies going bust, even people like British Airways. So um, um, from your point of view and from a, a consumer society that's very much based on capitalism, um, what are your views on, on that? And also green capitalism, which um, on the face of it looks looks like a, a, a good idea it, it has mm. government uh, interception with things like tax carbon taxes emissions trading how do you how do you feel about that whole 
whole idea of capitalism now? Sure. Well, that's yeah, that's very loaded, and there's a lot to talk about. And I just wanted to come back just before on the point you made about uh, companies going bust during the pandemic. Sure. And what it means, and I would think like right now, this is what we're doing right now for us as as a green committee, kind of the the actions and talking about what we can do during confinement. But I think the most direct climate action that you can say like that we could do during confinement is putting pressure on bailouts of big companies like these, as in we're seeing through the US government, seeing for, for, um, from banks, seeing from uh, the airline industry, getting these, com- these companies to get bailed out is very dangerous. And I think it's a perfect moment to be able to put, like to attach green strings behind the bailouts. And it would be, I mean, I saw like loads of pet- petitions online. And I think it's a perfect time to really put pressure on it. But coming back to your general question, um, I think, yeah, we have, the, like, as you said, and it's kind of your vision, I guess, and what you're doing, and Francesca, we have the, the sufficient changes. Uh, we have, we can make the sufficient changes of the technology we have. But I do think we need to rethink our total uh, relationship to, to ownership, to work and capital. And as children, it's, it, it's going to have to be more radical for us than our parents because it's necessary to get to the root, to the root of the problem. And the fact that we're needing uh, immediate changes and that only like when you look at the biggest producers only like, in companies, only 1% or so, or maybe more, I haven't checked the stats currently, of their investments are in renewable energy. Uh, and that very low shows for me that people who believe we can solve these problems through capitalism. We've been saying this for many years and we'll keep on saying it. But the situation keeps on degrading because it ignores the fact that once you put the price and something to protect it, there will inevitably be someone willing to be able to pay the price to destroy it. And I think that's also in the the core of green capitalism, which is it's a bit of a strange concept because we're, we're putting nature as a commodity and we're thinking it's going to protect it. So I think also like just, yeah, struggling against capitalism, against green capitalism and, and solving the environmental crisis is inextricably linked as we, like, as we talked about in the previous podcast, all injustices are linked. And I'm afraid the end result of getting a more sustainable society through uh, maybe um, through, through free market um, sustainable energy, through different sustainable products, won't eliminate any other social injustices. That's kind of like the vision I have. And yeah, it's just this, this common, the common goal of both the, the private and public sectors is like, well, as we know, it's, it's rapid and sustained uh, GDP growth. And the only climate actions that companies and governments are willing to take are those that will not risk slowing uh, this, this wealth accumulation. And I don't think, I think that's why no governments have yet taken the actions that will be necessary to, to steeply reduce carbon emissions. And, God, yeah. Um, <laughs> I suppose in yeah, all well, of this... Sorry, I'll... Sure, I had more to say, but I mean, you can definitely cry and I, I might be worried. I was okay. there's a lot of dis- disparate thoughts right there. Sorry about I mean, that. yeah, I mean what we've what we've seen with um, with this sort of eco capitalism, if you like, is yeah. we mentioned it before a lot of greenwashing, um, where a lot of big corporations seem to be cashing in on their eco efforts, um, and and it seems to be um, based on an improvement of an efficiency of of the resource with new technologies rather than prioritizing production and consumption. Um, that doesn't seem to be a priority, but they can show that they're doing various things which on the face of it look like uh, 
ecological efforts um, in their supply chain, but then the supply chains might suffer because, because of the way everything runs and they, they, they squeeze at the bottom end. Um, and as we know, a lot of the supply chains are, all, are coming via countries um, who are already uh, having huge difficulties and, and very bad debt to the rest of the industrialized world. But um, so it, it's, it's, it's a great concept, but still people seem to be getting around it. If they tick a box, corporations, I mean, uh, if they tick a box, mm -hmm. it's fulfilling the, in, in, in the, um, the difficulties around it uh, still haven't been thrashed out particularly well and carbon taxes, you know, are, are either um, something which a lot of people want and a lot of co corporations don't want. Um, but ultimately, it's society that sort of helps this supply and demand. They, they make their choice. They make their, their decisions. So um, it's, it's um, what new values do you think people would like to build out of all of this? Yeah, well, uh, I think um, it's, it's definitely what people say, what most people say in um, kind of visionaries that think we just need to reshape capitalism with new values instead of discontinuous growth, which should like implement ecological values. Um, it's great, but it's that danger, as you said, that the fact that eco-friendly becomes the new like free market craze that justifies everything is going to have uh, repercussions of companies slipping right and left through the supply chain. And what it means is a new, oh, sorry, the new values as consumer society. I think that even from yeah. um, a consumer's perspective and how they choose to um, purchase, I think it's, um, well, this current situation is also a great um, moment to redirect the way that they're purchasing. Um, maybe not even going to um, larger corporates and going for, um, for smaller companies and, um, and local um, shops, as I think um, with the current situation, they're the ones who also struggle um, the most and probably won't be able to bounce back after um, we come out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. from a consumer side, it's um, also the best moment to re-change and put new values to um, what we want. Definitely. Yeah, I say it's, it's just kind of at the end frightening that we have uh, the choice between buying ethical products and buying unethical products. The fact that this choice is presented to us does show a, a deep problem in. That's why yeah, you are putting like the, the, the emphasis on, on the consumer's choice, but the fact that there is this choice between uh, unethical and ethical products and unsustainable and sustainable products is going to have to go back to the system and the way we exploit, the way we commodify nature. I'd say, but. Sure. Yeah. Does anybody want to wrap that up with some other comments? May I just add in a little, um, yeah, I think this is, again, what, what we were chatting about, about sort of greenwashing and ensuring that we're supporting small companies that have the, the values and the backup and the, the proof that their values match what we what we want from products like none of us want to buy products that contribute to deforestation animal cruelty slave labor child labor like no no one wants that and again i think it's this this emphasis around raising awareness in this time when we have the opportunity to to not consume so much and i think that's the key thing because it's um yeah the 
it's just I share all of your your frustration and your pain but I really hope that it can be, it can be an opportunity because I, I very much agree with R that it's 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 awful that we have the choice between terrible products and good products but this is yeah. this is the time when we can all educate ourselves about those good products put our demands there and then force companies to change their behavior that's what that's why i'm really passionate about because it's it's in all of our abilities and in all of our capabilities to to put our money where where we want where we want where we want it spent so i think that's i think it's yeah for me it's it's hugely empowering and i just i hope that message is is something that we can you know everybody can take on board and understand because i think it's it's going to be the difference between a really bad situation and, and a great future so um, yeah that's what i'm pushing for yeah yeah that's just want to add a real real quick last thing and that uh, about what you said and that's great um i saw i think one of the things we could help to put that that pressure on consumer products is i saw these petitions uh and you know the change.org government petition website and they all got rejected but the idea was um that you force companies to put on their on their products the label, the carbon impact label and the water usage. I think that would be an amazing change in our society and something that would really emphasize the whole, the, the empowered purchasing value, which, which you talked about, which is great. And I, I really don't know why they were refused in government. They, I mean, there might be reasons that I don't understand, but yeah, maybe. You know. I think it's due to subsidies. I think water in oh, food okay. is hugely subsidized, but I'm not an expert, but that would just be where, yeah, I, would, where yeah. I would start. Sorry to jump in on. No, no, that's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll I, I lay my, my case there. Right. So, uh, okay, obviously what came out of that discussion, listening to you guys chatting, is, is the, um, the fact that there is a huge amount of anxiety around this whole topic of climate change and ecology and climate crisis. Um, how how do you see um okay eco anxiety do you see that as a as a as a major issue with the people of your age and and the people that you chat to um and and how does it manifest itself to you when you when you understand it as being eco anxiety what are the signs what is happening to to people um so uh eco-anxiety people might not be very aware of this term but i think young people might have experienced it in the past it basically just for people that don't know about it it means having fear about like environmental disasters such as pollution and global warming and it has it has now become more recent and like more common between people actually uh in 2018 there was like an American survey and 70% of the people said that they were deeply worried about climate change so they might have experienced eco-anxiety and I think eco-anxiety is very important for young people because it's basically us fearing about our future and how worse climate change is and what can happen if we don't act because we were actually thinking as a green committee to do a project at school about eco-anxiety but we didn't have the opportunity to because of the lockdown. So we're trying to think how we can show students and talk to them about eco-anxiety. Um, it can also happen when like, you see people in power or politicians that don't do much about the current climate crisis because 
as young people, it really worries us that the people in power aren't really doing much about it when they're actually the ones that can make big decisions and make like the country better and greener. And it's really interesting for me because the way people manifest it is by taking action and they want to have a positive impact on the environment. So for example, by manifesting in the streets or changing like your lifestyle to a more ecological lifestyle. And when it's really interesting because when taking action, uh, one of the like symptoms of eco-anxiety is that you feel very powerless because after all, it's only one person and seven billion. And you think that you're alone, but actually it like helping and trying to have a more ecological lifestyle is really useful because like you're already having a major impact on the environment and you're encouraging others to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think as young people, it really worries us and we are aware of climate change, but there's really like these times where we really see how bad it is and we just want to try and make it better to ensure we have a brighter future because this is our future and we're really worried about it. So yeah, I don't know if anyone else wants to add to it, but yes. Of course, yeah, no, absolutely. Does anybody want to jump in there? Yeah, I think it, it really is a shame that we didn't um, get to talk to the students about it because, uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I, hadn't, I had no idea what it was before uh, the Queen Committee um, talked about it. So I'm really glad I learned about it, but um, um, I really, yeah, I really think it's an important subject to to teach at least. Yeah. So you've you've, you've sorry, uh, sorry, Ar, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say no. Well, I, I mean, I can. I I didn't know the word either before, but now there's a word on it. It's going to help us, kind of, let's say, stand up for it, find find find, find solutions. Uh, on the long term, both to, to help this psychological effects and the climate struggle. I wish that the eco-anxiety had been a phrase that had been around when I was your guys' age, because I was I struggled so much. I, I started my journey sort of towards, yeah, pushing for green things and wanting to study solar panels when I was 15. And it was becoming aware of, aware of it, but feeling so isolated and alone, it was, I mean, 15 years ago, it was it was wasn't as big a topic in the news, and it was it was horribly isolating. And I think from my journey, the thing that has given me the most hope is that every single decision that we make every day is is how we be the change we wish to see in the world. And that that's the message that I think um, that everybody needs to hear. And it's. Um, something I heard yesterday actually in fact which was really empowering you everybody will meet probably about a thousand people like just in their lifetime and if that that thousand people those thousand people each have met a thousand people so the influence that we all have on everybody else and the butterfly effect is is vast because we're really we're only ever one person away from from a million people in their wider network and we're two people away from from a billion if we if we influence everybody we meet in the way that we interact and we lead by example i think i think that's our that's how that's how i think we can we can push for the, for the biggest change because eco anxiety is it's it's awful it's it's isolating it's 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 a horrible thing to go through and i think it's it's something that we we've got to quash we've got to get rid of we've got to raise awareness about it because it's it's hugely important mm -hmm. 
Can I, can I ask, since the inception of Extinction Rebellion, back in the late October, November 2018, has that movement given you uh, more of a feeling of empowerment? Do you feel more um, able to cope with your anxieties? Has it given you a, a lifeline, sort of? Anyone want to want to take it? Uh, yeah. I think uh, I was aware, of, in my personal opinion, I was aware of climate change. But when all this, like, extinction rebellion and all these activists started to, like, manifest and like talk for their rights and talked about climate change i think it really affected me and it kind of like showed me how only like one person can start making a difference and i think that's what really encouraged me to wanting to like act and trying to uh have a positive impact on the environment so yeah i think that really inspired me to become greener yeah but does it make you feel less anxious that you have this huge following behind sort of supporting the way you think does it does it give you some hope oh well definitely well, yeah definitely i think it's also an amazing uh, opportunity for everyone to see when you see these causes and you can rally yourself to them and you can join in and it, it just the the a, a, a movement from the people is amazing yeah it might not it might not give much repercussion for us in school and in other institutions but the fact there isn't a public out there other voices and the fact you can always join to them kind of immediately uh, resolve well not i wouldn't say resolve of course not but it immediately provides something to do with your, your anxieties towards the environment the climate crisis sure yeah and it's all about putting pressure on on the government i'd say there was there was that funny i i, I haven't um participated in the extinction rebellion but i've been like taught a lot of people in them and they had this funny plan of having a tea party in front of the parliament to chat with mps and invite them about climate change. So even something like that, I think, is shows that, that there is shows of the amplitude of the movement and what it can do, sure. where it's going. And yeah. I think, oh. and oh, I think on, um, the fact, as you said, um, to hear that there's other voices who probably think the same as you or a group to which you can assimilate is really important as there's support and to a goal that you all believe in. And I think it does give hope and it, it's also a group and there's support and yeah. it's really important. Definitely. I think there's, there's, there's what you have to, do, what we all have to do is to stay positive through it to make the changes happen. Um, because if that posit positivity disappears, um, we become more anxious, we become more insulated. We, we, we stop fighting for for the changes because we start to feel that we are as individuals making no real difference and and i think that's the danger um because we are all making a difference we can all make a difference and we do have to question everything we see um and um you know i always question i play devil's devil's advocate all the time not because i necessarily agree with what i'm saying but i want to throw it out there so it starts a discussion um and it's always those thorny topics which nobody wants to discuss particularly i mean there will be somebody but they have particularly um um partisan views on it yeah. and they're either for or against i always think it's dangerous to stay you know so far to one side or to the other it's it's always nice to 
you know, collect everybody's thoughts and pick, pick good things out of that. Um, and even the bad ideas sometimes can produce some very good ones. So, um, you know, I always think all is not lost. All is to fight for. Stay positive and, um, you know, and keep discussing it. Keep trying to change people's minds or at least get them to explain to you all the things that you think are wrong, but they think are good. Get them to explain it because sometimes yeah. they can't even explain it to themselves. And, and, and you start to see the cracks in, in, in and the flaws in the argument. But um, so, so moving away from the anxiety, because it's, it's a very important topic. And unless anybody else wants to say anything on it. Um, uh, well, I want to add on what you were saying there about changing people's minds. Uh, what's so, what's for me is also really interesting about the, the, the climate crisis and societal conduct is it would be amazing to see an, um, like a moral evolu evolution, if that makes sense, uh, from, from our, our standard practices as a society. As we've seen, I mean, we've seen throughout the whole history, it's always been a moral evolution from practices we've done before that are considered wrong. And I think it's the kind of outreach you get through movements like Extinction Rebellion, through uh, press, through yeah, exposure to the press, through just information about the horrors and the impact of, of climate injustice and so on, that is going to help us uh, well, get a moral evolution society. And I'm, if any, I don't know who listens to the conversation piece, if there's anyone that, that's young like us or any uh, any youth, I hope I'd so. say get I'd say get active. Like, yeah, find any groups around you. That's the best thing you can do until you you get further along in life and can take in uh, jobs and environmental action like like you and Francesca. But yeah, activism, hundred percent. But I, I I would just suggest that any action taken um, is is really thought about. And, you know, you've got to have the goal in mind. You've got to have a solid um, consequence of what you're doing. So, you know, you're asking people to do certain things, um, but keep it focused because, you know, people generally see lots of people sitting in a street uh, and stopping the traffic and it makes a point. Um, but thereafter, what are they fighting for? And People will say, well, we're fighting against climate change. We're fighting against big corporations. And, and that's very generalized. And mm. that's what the general public, who have a, an idea of it but aren't so concerned about it, they lose the thread of the, the argument because there is nothing clear about the end game. And, and I think that's what, what is missing. Um, which can easily be fixed. So I, I would agree with you that, you know, um, there are so much, so many things we can do, but everybody has to be clear about that end game. This is what we're fighting for. This is how we think we're going to do it. And these are the changes we think we should make as society. Uh, and it's explained. And, and then it becomes more uh, understandable to those that might not necessarily spend too much time thinking about climate change. Um, so, Going on to the next subject, then how well are schools, universities, educational facilities teaching uh, and making aware young people of the issues of climate change? And um, are they giving you hope in the curriculum about the future? Um, how is it all working there? Because it was 55 years ago I went to school. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it feels like 
um, and, and we we never had a computer then, obviously. But well, how, how was it working at school? I I'm going to be honest with you. I think schools, um, the majority of schools, don't do enough. Um, I I mean, young people are obviously the future um, of everything of the environment as well, and we're the one that. Um, will are choosing our careers right now i mean for most of us at least and um i think schools don't show enough of how um we can act i mean we are personally in a french system so it doesn't oh, sorry uh it doesn't uh maybe it represents all um curriculums but um i feel like the french system is really focused on academic academics and, and it doesn't really um, push creativity enough. I feel like that's the French system. Mm-hmm. And I think that, of course, it is very important, but um, sometimes I think it's um, just as important to take a step back and teach young people how important they are to the future and they are to um, real life, I guess. Um, and I think that's what the Green Committee is all about. Um, mm-hmm. we raise awareness to all the students. I mean, that's our goal. And it's, it really um, upsets me that I feel like if we weren't there, the Green Committee, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the school wouldn't do anything. There wouldn't be any action taken in our school, at least. And so that's why we <laughs> are very proud of um, the Green Week last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and however, <laughs> I'm not all... Um, uh, upset. I think there are still some major actions taken by some schools. I mean, uh, with Francesca, like she introduced us to all this eco schools program, and I think those actions are not to be taken for granted, obviously. And these are really amazing projects that are really um, that schools should really uh, look up to. So, yeah. Well, uh, I, I'd say. We are like we are in a, an environment, like in a healthy environment, that's ready to talk about um, climate change, ready to talk about these issues. But it isn't in like it isn't incremented in the actual educational program in any way. So it is really like through pro, uh, through projects, through programs like eco schools, and yeah. through more organisations that we're going to be able to push the idea of of because uh, well, obviously education isn't just academic success, and yeah. the I'd say the main role of school is teaching like social conduct to people teaching people about the, like the, the vision of life and so on it's, it's very broad but if we can increment educational uh, environmental education in there both through the curriculum which would be great and also through much more open discussion is really a must for the future and i think well we, we, it's definitely present in our schools is like a personal case but it's definitely present everywhere i'd say you could look at like schools in africa schools and everywhere the coverage there is it's something that's that's key and if it's i don't think it has i think as the question francesca has asked i don't think it has um changed much since public exposure like extinction rebellion and greta thunberg uh in the way it should but i'd say the subject is there and it just needs like it's 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 fertile and just needs to be you know sprouted. That was a very so, bad analogy, but yeah. Yeah, but so so 
from a school perspective, I, what you're saying is it's not really written into the curriculum. And obviously your tutors, your, your teachers have to follow a curriculum. Um, do you feel any frustration from, from your teachers that they would also like to discuss the subject more openly and, uh, and, and as part of that curriculum, but they just can't? Mm, I think every, I think it's more depending on the teacher's personality, but mm -hmm. in my personal point of view, I don't feel as most like teachers follow the curriculum. And if you want to talk to them about it, they're okay. But after all, they have a curriculum to follow. Yeah. And so they don't really want to like go out the way and it's it's just not taught enough i think uh environment uh, etc should be more taught at school sure. and i think the eco schools and eco homes is a great initiative and i think more schools should adapt to it because it's actually really interesting and it's just their point is to make the school greener and more aware of climate change so yeah, yeah. But, but do they not introduce that more into subjects such as geography and economics and social sciences it, it, it's their topic subjects which you know, climate change can be introduced into very simply very easily yeah well yeah, absolutely yeah so go on Mara. Um, it's just i think as um a said um it really depends on the teacher i mean i have teachers in i don't know biology and stuff like that that will um talk about the environment and that will make like some kind of um little break to talk about how what we are studying in biology or subjects like that have a kind of a link so it really depends on the teachers but again um i think it should be something that is included in like every curriculum yeah sure yeah. do you do you have any um teachers involved with your green committee just out of interest yeah yeah uh, yeah I think we have a few we have a few uh, i think uh that's the thing with school is that it's kind of like for us uh, a, a vast system of, of different people in different like sections of this teachers admin staff uh, students and so on and the fact that we started this group teachers like really they, they'd love to see that i'd say most of us have given really good feedback and sure. it's it, one of our like visions one of our ideas i think we, we really need to do is to get these groups together to work through the school stuff structure on every level so we're going to have to talk to staff to talk about um, energy consumption, waste management, uh, to, or the, the resourcing of food. We're going to have to talk to students, to teachers about environmental education. We're going to have to talk about like the, the careers thing, about sustainable careers, which, yeah. we, which we need to do after the last podcast. That was really good. Yeah. Um, so it's a whole, it's a whole uh, organism that needs to be like pulled together. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's great. It's green committees here and yeah, we need to do more. <laughs> Are you connecting with other schools and other groups similar? So are you building up a network of other green committees uh, within within the schools, uh, within your area? Well, we haven't started, but I think um, that's also one of the advantages of um, also being an, uh, well, soon or being an eco school is as having that link with other schools. But I don't think yeah. we have that. Yeah, no, we yeah. don't really have that link about the schools but just to add to what um r said uh i think like the feedback we got from the green week um this weekend was really amazing we got a lot of teachers telling us that they it was really um 
inspiring them to um, change at least a bit in their classes and stuff. I mean, that's some of the comments I've read. And also, I mean, for the Green, Green Week, we had um, planned to work with some teachers, such as um, the art teacher, I think. Um, we had to, yeah, we had, uh, we were going to work with her to make her, uh, okay, wait, let me think about my sentence. Um, to make, we were planning on making her do some kind of an art project with her students. So that's like some of the things we do with the teachers. And I think that's really amazing that the teachers are really open to our project. Yeah. Francesca, do you want to? Uh, sorry, sorry. I wanted to add in on um, when we talked about um, environmental education being included in other subjects. And I think it's, um, well, I've had a bit included in probably economics and social science. And I think those are the most important subjects where we learn about society and economics the most, which is at most in everyone's um, lives and society. And it's so important um, to have this environmental education to to know and realize where the problems is because I think we could we also think and we well we learn of how our society works and I think it's so important and also intriguing to have this environmental education that we can even more develop on our own side. Sure. I totally yeah I totally agree I think it's um the current situation is emphasizing a problem within the education system that I think we've had for for a long time where the the current system that we have in place in terms of curriculum it's not designed to to prepare young people for the future that is going to exist when when you do go out into the world I think that was the case when I was at school and Steve it was probably the case when you were at school as well I think the fu future is it's so different and with technological advancements, it's, we just don't know how, or we can estimate and we can kind of predict to, to a certain degree of what we think technology is gonna be able to do for us, but mm -hmm. things are expanding and accelerating so quickly. I think this is, again, it's such an opportunity for us to, for, for people who, who design curriculums to really look at this and be like, what are we going to need in the future? I think there's, there's an amazing um, institution called Mind Valley, and they focus on social connectivity because they, there's this sort of opinion that robotics is going to, I think it's going to replace about 40% of our jobs. So what are people going to value when we have a lot of automation? It's going to be social connectivity, how to be a good friend, how to be a good like, ed, ed person, basically. And I think it's, I think the environmental issues are so deep rooted into all subjects that I think there needs to be, there needs to certainly be a real big push towards having, having a module in every single subject about how that module is related to the environment and, and closing the loop and creating the circular economic best practice that, that the future has to, has to, has to include. So. Yeah, I think it's it's such a hot topic and it's such an important topic now that we have to get right. And I think it's, yeah, we're at the forefront and it's up to us to to push this and, and create the future that we want. And I think it's exciting, but it, it's scary because it, it's all on us. We've got to, we, we have to be the change we want, we want to see in the world. And yeah, it, it's empowering, but yeah. And I definitely... It's a lot to take on. And this is where the climate anxiety comes and, and all that. So, yeah. yeah. 
And it really is really frustrating sometimes to think about it because, I mean, the change in curriculum is possible. It's easy to make. And I mean, for um, for example, the French system um, this year has, <laughs> maybe it's not the right verb, but it has suffered from a very big um, exam change thing, not because of the COVID-19, but just the education uh, national education thing changed and now our exams are really it's really weird but it has um like there was a big change in exams and so if they can make this big change that has like never happened before why can't they make a curriculum change because i totally agree it's now for our year um i mean for not for um a but for us it really is different now than last year's and um, it will be like this for the next years. But so if they can make this, like, I don't, I don't understand why they can't like put a module, like you say, about the environment. Yeah. It should be that simple. I agree That's with you. Cool. I think, yeah, when our, when, our, when our generation is defined by the climate crisis, by how we're going to deal with it, I think that's one of the things we're going to need to push towards the most is, is the change in, in education. Change in the system. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, it's hugely important. And obviously, that, that's the starting point for all of us, you know, our formal education uh, and those years we spend sitting there thinking, God, this is dull. Um, but you know, now is the time, now is the time to change a lot of things, the way they're structured for the future. Um, and uh, I, I agree, this, this is a relatively simple thing that can be done. Uh, and it should have been introduced a long time ago. But now, there is no excuse for not introducing it. Um, and unfortunately, you know, for me, the idea of technology fixing everything is, is trotted out as being, you know, technology will fix this. Um, but what, what, what's happening is over the years, we've heard this mantra over and over again. Um, that's why it's a mantra. Um, and it doesn't always fix it. In actual fact, technology goes off in different tangents and starts creating some of the issues that are causing climate change. So um, what, what we've taken our eye off the ball on is people and society and, and how it's dealing with the new technologies. And we've become quite passive in being told, well, don't worry, because technology will fix this problem. We'll have carbon capture systems and we'll have this and we'll have that. But we don't have it. We haven't had it for a long time. We've been talking about it for years. Um, how quick is this technical fix going to come? Um, so we've got to be very, very careful and very aware that actually the thing that's really going to drive the changes isn't technology, it's the society behind it. It's a society that's got to live with technology and it's um, the society which is, is the most important element in making change and changing and uh, mitigating climate change as far as I can see. I agree. I just wanted to move on to climate justice because we're talking about all these things and one thing that missing from all of this is climate justice. You know, we, we've, unfortunately, we lost uh, Polly Higgins, who was a lawyer fighting for something which was known as ecocide. Um, she spent her last sort of working years trying to fight against um, corporations that were creating most of the carbon emissions in our in our atmosphere um, 
she was doing quite well, uh, but she wasn't succeeding because it's a difficult thing to to do. But who, who do, in your opinion, are the, the the figures fighting and inspiring change right at this moment? Um, no, yeah, go on, go on. AT, would there's, you pick that up? There's so many um, climate activists and so many groups um, doing so much. I don't think there could be somebody else to just take um, what she um, um, started. But um, I think climate justice is so important because, um, well, the ones um, who suffer from climate change um, aren't um, the ones um, who can make all the changes and it's um, for everyone to, to to make a change and it's it's really important mm -hmm. and um, I think that um, it's everyone's it's in everyone's power to change and even before how we were talking on an economic aspects um, the fact if um, just everyone redirects to um, greener products or greener um, companies or local um, companies it will just the demand will just shoot up and our voice would be on the values that we want and could change um, the lives of others and what they're um, and what they're living because of uh, the damages of us. Sure. Do, do you think those that do stand up against climate change, those, those activists and, and environmentalists that do put their head above the parapet and stand up and try and fight for justice, do you think they are, generally speaking, do you think they are heard? I mean, they, they're heard by the people that share their views, but outside of that, the, the undecideds, if you like, are they hearing them? Are they getting enough media attention when they stand up and speak? Or... Are they perceived as being, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the word might be, but you, you, you know what I'm saying. Are they perceived as being yeah. a sort of left-wing hippie tree huggers? Um, and that's not my view of them, but that's what a lot of people might think. The general man and woman in the street that doesn't have a, a great idea of or, or a great passion for climate change. Um, it, it's getting these people accepted by the media i think and greta thunberg has done this but she's ridiculed for it in by a lot of quarters in the media and and other people with a different view to her so how do, how do we get these brilliant people in front of everybody and accepted as being um you know clear thinkers with with good things to say rather than just you know maybe crackpots or somebody that is fighting for one cause and and their and that cause is flawed how do we well, get how do we get them out there I, well i'd say one of the problems is that the fact that, as you said it goes through the lens of the media and yep. there is also a big case to be made for media coverage of the climate uh, crisis as they've been i saw i think it might be last year protests in front of i mean it was strange because the protests in front of the new york Times headquarters the new york Times does cover the, the climate crisis uh, Quite quite well, let's say, but it does need there does need to be a huge emphasis on headlines everywhere on these subjects. And the other thing we might need to assign, I mean, like that, that would help uh, uh, individuals see 
climate activists in a different lens is emphasizing the humanitarian aspect of it and emphasizing mm. how much of this is a, a people's movement, how much of it is to fight injustice more than, as you say, tree huggers. And I think that's what is directly linked to, to climate injustice. And it's one of the one of the things that I hope comes out of of our, of our struggle is to develop more communitarian values as one of one of the solutions against the whole unraveling of, of capitalism and, and uh, environmental destruction is the fact that we do need more communitarian values and to re reassess the way our, our economy works around kind of distancing every individual from each other and distancing us from these 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 figures of speech that are the climate activists and there's this um you were, you were talking about movements uh, in climate injustice, and I can't remember the name of the group. It's an Indian activist group who has a slogan which is uh, ecology as an economy, and I think that's yeah, a good phrase to remember. I mean, we, we, as you say, human rights is a major issue, uh, and it's a major issue in everything we do now, and it's because it's so connected to um, the Western world's supply chains. Um, and we've been talking about this situation this morning from a very much an industrialized westernized um viewpoint we haven't really spoken about developing countries emerging markets or however you want to call them but those people that are suffering mo more than any they're suffering the um the consequences of climate change through drought famine and floods um they don't have a voice, particularly on the world stage, when it comes to making a point about climate change. Uh, and we do tend, we, I mean the industrialized world, do tend to use them for their resources. And we do tend to turn a blind eye to human rights atrocities. Um, and again, we go back to that sort of uh, eco-capitalism where we might appear to tick boxes and say we're doing things but actually we're not doing a great deal this is a major issue and how does that part of the world that suffers human rights that suffers land grabs that suffers uh, the exploitation of the minerals they have there how do they have a voice how will they ever get a voice uh, Sorry, I'm just again. I'm just. No, no, I, 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 I can talk, but I'm scared. I, I get like much more talking than other people on the the call. So that's all right. Okay. Oh, sure. Okay, so when uh, the connection is bugging, I don't know. Is someone starting? No. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I'd say well, there's a, a dilemma you emphasize right there, which is how are we going to approach helping these people without like infantilizing them i don't know if that's the right words but without picturing them as completely vulnerable and without just keeping on the humanitarian struggle as seeing them constantly as victims and i think this is where we need really to attack the perpetrators the the the, the, the companies that are um that are responsible for this and at the same time I think it is, it is hard, as you said, we did concentrate much more on our perspective of the situation in our world, in our like, uh, society, rather than these places. And I, it's, it's really hard yeah, to find, to find a, a plan to do, but okay, yes, sir. 
No, I, I wasn't asking the question. It was more rhetorical than than expecting you know somebody to come up with a solution because you know it's difficult and and there isn't an easy solution, an option. But I just wanted to make the point that as we discuss these things, do we have that part of the world in the back of our mind, or are we just simply looking at it from our very comfortable perspective? And and I think that's a danger that we do that because this is such a global issue. Uh, and there are many, many people out there which have no voice, and um, but they are they are uh, feeling the brunt of the changes at this moment. Um, but anyway, I mean that's that's. Uh, Wait, I'd like to add on on that. I think please. that um, it's also um, good that in um, some of the, those developing countries that they, um, well, some do take action and have. Um, the power of having a voice and sharing that voice, um, such as I have in head, for example, um, Vanessa Nakate, who's a Ugandan uh, climate activist. And I really like the work that she does also um, through climate justice, as um, she shares that countries are suffering from this and that the climate issue is also a life issue for some and it really yeah. does need to change. Sorry, it's still I think it's. Was it connected? I think oh, I'm done. Oh, all right. Can I uh, add something okay. real quick, also? All right. Yeah. So we we sort of um, we're not running right. out of time. We can we can chat as long as you like. But um, I, I'm always aware that um, people that are viewing this later on, uh, that you know, our, our ability to watch something through for for too long um, isn't great. Um, I, I noticed some of the people that have been watching this. Um, Planet of the Humans film, which is being discussed a lot at the moment. I think very few people have actually watched it from beginning to end. Um, but a lot of people have very strong views on it without watching it. Um, so the role of youth, because this is what it's all about. This conversation this morning is all, all about you guys. Um, the role of youth, youth climate movements, um, Friday strikes, for school strikes for, the, for climate. Um, how is how is what what's your view of what what younger people are 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 doing at the moment and where they can take it? Um, I think uh, young people. Well, a lot of people like there's this like it's a famous quote that say that like young people like are the future kind of because the it's our turn to like make the world better and um. Yeah, I just, I think it's really good how, like, uh, young people are actually, like, trying to have a voice and uh, speaking up. That's why, like, us as a green committee, we're trying to, like, raise awareness and we're still young. And so I think it's really important that young people take action because it's our future and we want to ensure we make our future brighter. I don't know if anyone else wants to add, but yeah. 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 Um, and I think... Oh, go on. Oh that uh, I think that um, the role of youth in climate movements and climate strikes are so important as we shared all the subjects in which we talked about the eco-anxiety and capitalism is that the youth were becoming more aware of how well the more um, the, the older we get the world that in which we're supposed to live in is has quite a few flaws um, for the environment and just for the people and how it needs to change and the fact that we're more informed of it um and it gives 
a larger voice for us to change. And I think, well, the power's in our hands and it's for our futures, Aiden. Yeah, and I, I think the fact that we're going to have to detach ourselves from values that were uh, given and like taken on by our parents and by the future generations uh, doesn't mean and shouldn't mean that we're going to have to detach ourselves from them in, in fighting for climate change. And, well, maybe it's not what we're doing right now, but generally we should always try and get everyone to get on this issue. And if it's leading from the youth, it's always a better way to go on and talk to other age groups, to go on and talk to other um, uh, proponents of, of well, who are willing to take on an injustice. And that's also one of the, like generally talking about youth and climate movement, one of the saddest things that we don't want to see is youth that, that has the same, who is in, who's ignoring this problem. And this is why at school, it's extremely frustrating to be in an environment where people aren't learning about it. And I guess also our most direct target and environmental education is, is the youth and will always be the youth, yeah. If I may jump in and kind of just relate back to the previous question, I think the role of youth is, is so incredible at the moment because you have the, the ability to, to bridge the gap and, and create this common ground that everybody from every background can, can relate to because we've all been young at once and I think just touching on what we were talking about before, like I think that the danger of us all kind of just preaching through an echo chamber, I think that's how, I think young people rising up is how, is how we break free from that. And I think it's, it's, it's I don't want to put all the pressure on you guys because it's not, but it's, it's up to, to myself and, and other people like, and, and other, to, to support you guys, to, to give you that voice. And I think it's, it's how we can get people to, to all relate to the issue is is difficult because it's there's there's this argument that being being eco-friendly is, is for privileged people because we have the ability to think about the things that we that we that impact the environment because if you're living on the breadline or you live in a low-income country the, the stresses and the strains and the pressures in your life is are so much greater you don't have the ability to, or the capacity to think about recycling or or buying buying a t-shirt that's made made with 100% cotton from down the road you might be like oh my kid needs some clothes i can only afford something from primark and being able, having to think about oh that that maybe that's been built by a child or someone who in really poor working conditions and the fabric's really been badly sourced and there's loads of chemicals in the supply chain it's it's such a complex issue and i think i just yeah, breaking free from this echo chamber and bridging the gaps and creating and finding how everybody can relate to the issue is is where I think some of the some of the solutions lie. And I think it's all all the power to you guys because I think it's again it's it's scary, but it's it's so exciting and there's so many opportunities for you here. And it's just yeah, I'm just I'm buzzing for you all because it's it's just it's going to be great. And that argument that of people that I really just when like oh I'm too old I don't need to care about the environment I'm sorry but like everybody is living so much longer now we have the most incredible advancements in medical in medical medical technology and the fact that all our knowledge about nutrition is is advancing so much as well we have the ability to now live so much longer so we're all going to be around for a lot longer and I think it's if someone says oh I don't care about or I don't I don't need to care I'll be dead by then it's just like well no you won't it, this is your future this is all of our futures it's not just young people's and I think if we can get people behind that common goal and help everybody 
relate to that i think that that's that's where a lot of power can come from as well well i hope so anyway yeah yeah uh, i think you also i'll just say like to catch up real quick you also really highlighted another of the flaws of of this this rising like green capitalism and how how much we need to to make young people understand that we are in in a way in a broken system is that the fact that as environmental products get pushed forward and promoted it kind of demonizes as you said people who can't afford them mm. and that's how much injustice and a, 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 an unjust and uh unjustified god sorry <laughs> and unequal um economic system is linked to environmental destruction but yeah, um, I'm surprised, Francesca, that you're, you're hearing old people saying, I don't need to worry. I'm old. I'm going to die soon. Do you really get that? Oh, it's yeah. It's still, I mean, for years I've been hearing it. It's um, yeah. when I was working in bars, when I was sort of working through uni, yeah. people would yeah. it'd be the first thing that I would chat to customers about. And they'd be like, oh, I don't need to care because, you know, I'll be dead. I'll be dead by then. And it's just all I heard it. I've heard it less in the last few years, but it's, yeah. it's still it's still around. There is. Yeah, still so it is. It is still around. Um, yeah. OK, well, look. <clears throat> to end up on a on a more positive upbeat note what i'd really like to know is from each of um from each of you is if you had a magic wand uh, and money was no object and there were no real obstacles in the way um because there always will be but if there wasn't what one thing would you change about the world which you believe would make it I was going to say a better place, but then I, I thought of Michael Jackson's song. So I, I anyway. <laughs> so, so what would you? What one thing do you think could make the biggest change, and 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 we should all do if we could? Hey, let's start with you if you don't mind. Um. Okay. Well, I don't really know. It's a very sudden question, but I think something that could really like help uh, climate change get better uh, is people coming together so like i would definitely like uh if i had a magic wand i would definitely like make sure people get together because i feel like if we if only one person tries to make a difference it won't really do much but if we all come together and we all try to make a difference we can really improve this world i think mm -hmm. so yeah it would definitely be making people come together but great and so that sort of goes back to what we were saying before that that networking that that you know speaking to people getting the message out there connecting with other other groups similar groups uh and building up you know a group like extinction rebellion or somebody like them but you know maybe with with clearer goals in mind but yeah it, it it's involving society as a whole which I think is one of the things that have come out of this entire discussion is that society is so key to, to making the changes. Um, um, hmm. AT? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, if so, you're ready. Well, uh, um, I think um, what I would do is um, I think create um, a ground where everyone would have um the same quality of resource and i think um the quality of resource would um resolve much of this um climate justice which i really believe is um a big problem and that's what i would think initially go for which could 
then help climate change. Yeah. So a better yeah. distribution of wealth and resources across the globe. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, L. Um, I think it's very. Uh, it's a. It's a pretty tough question. <laughs> um, I know it is. I know that's why I asked you. <laughs> no, it, but that's what I say. To answer it with, if you try to answer it knowing all the constraints that we have, it's difficult. If you just say, look, this is one thing, forget all the constraints. This is the one thing I would love to do if I had a magic wand. Yeah. Well, it's still difficult, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I would want to probably bring some kind of un like global understanding of like everyone's situation like empathy i think it's really important um in our world and i think sometimes it's um not here enough it's i mean when you buy clothes and you 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 know that it's from child um slavery and things like that but you think well okay but it's cheap and i think that's the empathy is it's just it's it's it doesn't exist anymore and when you think like that and i think that's what i would want to bring most i think common understanding of everyone's situation and um thinking about others when you make decisions yeah <laughs> so in a way society has skewed values our values of things aren't really put on the things that matter we're yeah. used we're used to looking at you know we want something because and we want it cheap yeah. and we're turning our we're turning a blind eye to how it arrived on our you know yeah of course on our table yeah and it it's been like yeah. that for, the, for sometimes you know it okay. was yeah so i think that's the thing i would change probably ah uh, what would you change uh yeah I'm, I'm i know where i'm going directly with this one and that's a, a a global food system change i think that is the most important thing we can do in any case and it's also one of well i wouldn't say it's the least discussed but it is the least understood perhaps in the whole climate um change discussion and it's the source of so much injustice and the source of so much destruction that's really unheard and so yeah a complete plant-based world would be well pretty impossible but like at least yeah that'd be amazing yeah. and then, but that's that's your ideal well that's fine i mean i'm quite interested that nobody said if i had a magic wand i'd get rid of all of the oil and gas companies yes yeah, <laughs> i feel like uh, you that's why i think you you can't take a magic wand and say okay i want to get rid of poverty because then or global warming because it doesn't change people's mindset you know it it's not it, like if we could erase it all then we would still be the same persons we were no i wasn't saying erase it all yeah. i was saying yeah. what one thing you know what one thing would make the biggest difference to climate change if you could wave a magic wand and get rid of it or change oh it? yeah yeah that's what i that, that's what i was saying yeah and, and your answer well, it's, it's all it's all different visions you're, you're definitely right steve it's all it's all different visions i guess it's just having an idea of where we want to be and, and how we're going to get there. And, and that's, that's mm. the thing. Um, and that's all I was trying to get at. Um, Francesca, you, you've got a, a view there, I'm sure. 
do. I think I love what everyone says. I think it's yeah, it's all of these things are, are so important. If my if I had a magic wand, <laughs> I love this question. I would. Um, I think I'd try and get rid of fake news. I think yep. that's the thing that is 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 just so damaging. Whether it's political, whether it's environmental, whether it's it's anything. Yep. Just I mean, I don't want to say that we can't have the freedom freedom of press or the freedom of to be able to say what we want, but to be able to actually go on the TV or to print something that is that is and portray it as fact, I think that is, it just goes against everything that science and what we want to do and progress forward as a as a global society. It just it just stifles us and just holds us back from so much progression. If people are just going to force their agendas, I think yeah, I'd, I'd get rid of fake news and and yeah, try and and help people see the true cost of things. I think I think. I mentioned subsidies earlier, like water is so subsidized in, in our food products through ag agriculture. And it's, it's, we don't, we don't understand, we don't have a, a concept of how, how much water has been used in a product because it's so heb heavily subsidized by the government. So I think, mm -hmm. yeah, trying to get rid of corruption. I've got two wishes now, so I'm <laughs> cheating, but yeah, no corruption and no fake news. That would be my magic one. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Steve? What would be what your, would my your magic? Yeah. What would my goal be? Um, I think I'd get rid of all the people that disagree with me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But if I had a magic wand, that would be it. I, I would like yeah. everybody to be caring, sharing, altruistic, yeah. uh, and then we wouldn't have this mess. Um, people that could have the intelligence to foresee what the consequences of their actions today, that would be amazing. So, um, but yeah, a better society is what we need. Uh, and a society that actually does care about the things they talk about rather than just, you know, so they've got to practice what they preach and, um, and we've got to look after society much, much better. We've got to make sure that every child born anywhere in the world has a, has a proper education we have to try and get rid of wars and fighting and fighting over the riches of the natural riches that the world gives us from oil to minerals to whatever it is. Um, we have got to share more. We have got to be more open and we've got to be more unified as, as global citizens. We cannot continue to act independently from each other so much as we do because we have to share what's on this planet and we've got to make sure that there's enough to go around and that it is sustainable or that it is sustained for future generations but at the moment it's every man for himself and i'm looking at countries and i'm looking at powerful countries and that's all got to stop we cannot continue to go down that route so changes to society is my magic one wish um one thing that we've talked about and I just want to probably end up on this is um, is freedom of choice, freedom of the consumer, people's human rights and freedoms, and how much interference from government do we want? Now, we have a conservative government, which isn't known for its uh, uh, socialist tendencies, um, yet we've seen from our government to Donald Trump, to governments around the world, that their intervention in this pandemic has been huge. I mean, more than we've ever seen uh, in our lifetimes, for sure, and probably more than we've ever seen in peacetime, ever. Um, so have we enjoyed this intervention? Do we think it's been a good thing? 
how do you feel about government interfering as much as they have done? And would you right. like to see more government intervention in dealing with climate change in the same way? Or should we go back to capitalism and, and supply and demand and free movement, market forces, etc.? Yeah, uh, I'll just go ahead with that one. It's, it's, I think it's a dilemma because I'd say, of course, for the, for the pandemic, um, it isn't, the, the change isn't as much vented by economic interest, the government uh, intervention, as for um, the lack of government intervention, intervention in climate crises. But I'd say, um, well, I completely lost my train of thought. Wait a second. That's right. I was just thinking their intervention has caused economic, um, I mean, big, uh, the, the biggest economic upset that we've seen for such a long time. I mean, they have intervened knowing that they're going to cause an economic crisis, but they have put people first in this point. Do you think or, or do you think otherwise? Anybody? Yeah, or shall I ask another think. question? No, no, it's, it's a great question. It's a great topic. I'm just wondering if they really put, if we can really consider they put people first or because, I mean, when you look at like, for example, nurses, how we're claiming nurses at this moment, which is really important. Five years ago, the Conservatives, or was it, was it five years ago, a previous campaign of Conservatives and the same Boris Johnson was taken away uh, a correct and, and a just paycheck for nurses, for the same nurses, and the nurses were relying on food banks, food banks then. So I don't know if it's particularly vented for people's interests. But what I'd say for um, for uh, the climate crisis, I'd say we, we it's, it's really a dilemma if we need more government interruption, intervention. Sorry. Yeah, I, I haven't mean, thought I mean, about I, it entirely yet. I mean, obviously, a, a lot of what's going to happen in the future is driven by government policy. Whether it's our government, let's forget our government, but but for, from governments around the world, it's policy. They are the ones that are able to enact policy uh, for society and, and corporations to follow. It's a difficult one because if you're not looking at things from a socialist point of view, particularly, then you might not want to agree with government intervention. Um, mm. And if and, and, and even if you are a socialist, you might, still might not feel that uh, government intervention um it's such a great idea when it's it depends how total it is but what we've seen what i've seen is government intervention does make very quick changes um but i don't want to be constrained by a government for the rest of my life but i do want them to help us make changes it's a real tricky one and i just wonder how far government should be involved but um, francesca can you <laughs> I, um, anything? I, I love this question because it's with my I'm a town councillor as well for a, lo a little town in Dorset and it's something that I wanted to do when I since I was 16 but I couldn't join my local town council at 16 so this is something that's very close to my heart and I think it's um I'm 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 a very big fan of decentralization of power I think yes. that Westminster should be I, I think it should be separated I think there should be I think there should be a hub in the north, there should be a hub in the Midlands, there should be a hub in the west. I think that I think there is um, I totally agree with you, Steve, that 
annoyingly when government wants to it can yeah. it can make all the changes that it wants to it just has to have the right pressures yeah. and it's but i part of me has always wondered and thought and and always hoped that there would be more power would be given to county councils and district councils and in town councils to be able to to get that human connection back because i think that's what government is missing because yeah. everybody everybody us on this on this chat people listening people in their homes in their gardens today like we're all just numbers on a piece of paper in an excel spreadsheet to people who work in central government and i think that's where the problem is because we've missed there is there is just no connecting the numbers to the people anymore and, and as we've been talking about and it just it's just more and more emphasized every time i have these conversations and, and we guys meet to have a chat it's people yeah. are at the center of this and people people are the change and people are what matter and yeah. the further we get away from from talking to people and making the changes the further we get away from the solutions and i think it's yeah i i would love it if i get, get my magic wand out again i'd love yeah. it if we, yeah, we could have decentralized <laughs> power if people could govern from the village scale to street scale like this is what we want this is how we want to do it and i think I think, yeah, it's such a tricky question. It's, it's, it we could devote an yeah. entire entire Absolutely. hours to this, but I, I loved it. Yeah, Francesca, really. Yeah, Francesca, that's that's a great answer. I really hard to like what my oh. words were missing. No, definitely because it's it's the whole the whole communitarian principles that we'd love to see that is linked to, to climate change and that really empowers that would well decentralization that would work and there would be a, a goal here, but there would also definitely be a goal in emerging countries like as we we're talking about uh smart grids and new ways or what, even what namine is doing like this self-relying um energy these self-reliant sources of energy that are a really amazing way of empowering communities over there and there's there's this movie we wanted to show to our school part of our green week which is called uh, 2040 i don't know if you heard about it and there's this the great scene where an indian community is relying entirely on smart grids to sustain the energy consumption and they're completely independent from their governments and from you know government uh, well just uh, energy companies and, and huge cables and providers and so it's where the dilemma is also there is that if we want quick changes we're going to need to rely on government but government is a really dangerous and, and terrifying construct sometimes and it kind of sounds like a, a bad social revolution to think, yes, we need this government changes and then immediately after we need to dissolve government and so on, or like reduce its power. But I think we, it's part of the, the, the power to the people is going to be putting pressure on the government. And then that's where the dilemma still is. But yeah, it's good to mention these at least. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Beautifully said. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Good. What are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah. My thoughts? My thoughts? <laughs> oh, I hear those. You know what, I, I've forgotten the question. Uh, <laughs> well, should government, yeah. Should government should interfere government. more? I, I think um, it's a tricky one because, as you say, it depends what government you've got in power. It depends how much you can trust them. It depends mm. how much you agree with them. And when you look at the political system, pretty much anywhere, but here, it's the only one I've got experience of uh, firsthand. Um, it, it's not very good, it doesn't work. It's like our legal system, like our tax system, like many other systems we have here, they're so antiquated, they're so from long ago that they don't, they're not fit for purpose anymore. Um, when I looked at the Green Party's manifesto, 
at the last election, I thought I would vote for these people. Of course, of course I would. They, they, they're telling me everything I want, pretty much. Yeah. But I know that when I vote for them, it's not going to get them in because because of our electoral system, they're not going to they're not going to make it. Not enough people will vote for them. So it is still a two party thing, Labour and Conservative. And when I look at what was available, so, you know, I would I would side for Labour at that point. Um, but then, you know, there was a landslide pretty much for for the Conservatives. With everything that's going on, I couldn't believe it. And this is why I think society needs to change. They need to see things more clearly. Um, however, um, yeah, I think I think government needs to be more accountable for a start. Um, this government isn't accountable. They don't want to be asked tricky questions during the uh, daily briefing. They push it to one side. They'll ban journalists. They'll, they'll, they'll decide how they want to tell the story, and that's not right. That's that's never mm. right. Whatever the government's colour is, um, but uh, yeah, but but we do need more action by our governments. Uh, but they need to be friendly governments. They need to be non. Uh, you know, how are we going to work it out? Yes, it is very difficult. I agree with yeah. you. I can't answer it either. Um, but it's it's worth and, thinking well, about all the time. And the more we think about that, then the more uh, the, the, the closer to an answer we'll get, probably. Um, so, positive things. What's what 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 positive things are coming out of everything that's going on? We might change. Companies might go bust that are causing pollution. But, you know, the biggest thing is probably society has a chance to change everything now. So fingers crossed that that will happen. Hmm. It's I been brilliant it's talking to you all. Thank you, Steve. Oh, oh yeah, that's that a pleasure. Sick. It's my pleasure, yeah. actually. Um, wow. all, all mine. And yeah. it's been brilliant to hear from, uh, yeah, from, from people that, um, you know, haven't been exposed to the to the world and made them cynical and horrible and old and nasty <laughs> like me um and it's good to know that you know you're thinking the way you are and, and i think you know all power to you uh, and just keep doing it and and get your networks to grow and grow and grow until it's a real force to be reckoned with and and sooner or later you'll get a chance to vote and i'm assuming you're all under 18 of voting age and i don't know if you'll all vote when you get back home into France or wherever you might be, or we get the chance to vote here, but um, you know, your vote does count, whoever you vote for, but it does make a difference. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a real treasured thing. So, you know, vote, vote with your mind uh, rather than your heart and um, you know, carry on doing what you're doing and it will all work out in the end. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Right. yeah. Power to Sweet. us. Ah, thanks so much for inviting us here. Thank you. Thank it's you. my pleasure. Thank yeah. you. And, um, I'll, I'll let you know when this is going live on YouTube and wherever else. But I'll I'll send you a copy of it, or you'll see it on YouTube. Been wonderful to talk All to you. Right. Thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. You Thank too. You so much. You Thank too. You. Definitely. Fantastic. Do you, just, do, do you want to end up with a last? No. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank I you just, all. Yeah, thank you all just so much. It's just been, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you all. I'm so encouraged. The thing that gives me hope is the fact that young people are so engaged, you're so driven, you're so passionate, and 
you know so much which is just incredible i think i can i can have more stimulating conversations with with people still at school than some people my own age so it's it's incredible to hear you guys and steve you're always just such an inspiration and such a, a force for positive change it's just amazing and we are all solutions for climate revolution and it's absolutely yeah, working together Come mass on. collaboration on yeah on things that are yeah, voting every day with the things that you do in your behaviour and what you buy, as well as voting for your government, it's just so important because it's it's not just who we vote for in government; it's it's our values, what we vote for every day, which is which is the thing. And I just can't wait for this message to get to more people because it's it's just it's so enabling and it's so it's just so exciting that we can we can create the future that we want. And I just I can't wait for more people to realise this. And I am. I am scared, but I am so excited for the future. And yeah, you guys are all inspiring at the Green Committee and I'm, I've got so much hope as well. So just thank you all and thank you, Steve. It's just yep, a pleasure. Brilliant. I can't wait for the next one. This is so Yay. great. Cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, thank you all. And um, we will catch up soon. Au revoir. Perfect. Yep. All the all best, right. guys. Au revoir. 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 Au revoir